This episode of Bonfireside Chat and many episodes of many shows like it are brought to you by our very generous Patreon backers at patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. We do so much at the network. Go there, check it out, uh, see all the different stuff we do, and uh, maybe kick us a couple of bucks a month. It makes a huge difference. Once again, that is patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. At the foot of Lothric Castle, an old path still runs below the tower in the undead settlement. It was used to transport sacrifices to the Cathedral of the Deep. You should see where it leads. If you've the stones for it. <laughs> My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. My name is Stuart Wellington. And you're listening to Bonfireside Chat. It is a kindled favorite. Yes, and this week we are talking about the Road of Sacrifices. And uh, I'm so excited uh, to be joined here by uh, by Stuart from uh, from the Flophouse podcast. Hey, Stuart. Hey, guys. How are you guys doing? <laughs> doing just great. Good. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for, uh, for for agreeing to hop on. I was listening to uh, to a recent episode, and I heard uh, somebody somebody mention uh, Dark Souls, like joke about you playing. I was like, oh, gosh, it'd be so awesome. I love that show. Um, and, uh, I, <laughs> I think specifically what happened was I was complaining because I agreed to watch a movie, uh, that a listener recommended and like some kind of weird jerk, I was complaining about it. Uh, cause I don't have that much time in my day to watch every movie that everyone recommends because my time at the moment was focused on playing dark souls three. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just uh, super, super happy you agreed to join us. <laughs> no problem. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not as big of a jerk as I was on that podcast. <laughs> I have plenty of time to be on other podcasts. <laughs> Your secret is safe with us. Yeah. We're actually filtering you through a, one of those voice disguise things, and we're going to refer to you as Brian Bilmington uh, okay. during this whole time, so nobody will know that you actually you do have the time. I always felt like I looked like a Brian. I get mm. Steve a lot. I think that's because it sounds like Stuart. But Brian, <laughs> that guy knows how to hang out and just be yeah. a like relaxed <laughs> dude. Not a care in the world for Brian. It's a, it's a real stock name. Yeah. Uh, and but and the, the plus I have never met a Brian I didn't like. Hmm. So, oh, I will, yeah. I'll, I'll have to comb through my archives of notes of people I've met. <laughs> your Rolodex. B B Trying to get your Rolodex. Yeah, <laughs> it's all Bryant. my first name. Make it yeah. Super, uh, yeah. uh, so uh, tell for people who may not be uh, familiar, uh, tell our listeners about the Flophouse. Okay, well, uh, the Flophouse podcast is a podcast that we've been doing for like nine years now, uh, and it's a comedy podcast where me and my two co-hosts, uh, Dan McCoy and Elliot Kalen, uh, both. Formerly of The Daily Show. Uh, now, Elliot, I think, is the head writer for Mystery Science Theater 3000, which is super fancy. Yeah. And so what we do is we uh, watch a watch a movie and then our show is us kind of reviewing the movie and also just, uh, I don't know, talking about stuff and movies and whatever. 
uh, which is a really good selling point for my show. Uh, <laughs> but uh, and the movies that we watch are almost always uh, I, the requirement is that they have to be recently released uh, and they have to be either a critical or a financial flop. Thus, the name of the show, The Flop House. Uh, and yeah, so that's our show. It's a, I guess it's a bad movie podcast, which there are very many of those. So, uh, you can do a uh, podcast about those. <laughs> yeah, just, exactly. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> oh, we're going to have to reevaluate some things. Why don't you guys do one of those? I mean, <laughs> put a log on the fire because we wouldn't be able to compare to you guys. <laughs> yeah. You guys are, um, you guys are OG. You, I mean, just, you, uh, were, were, uh, as you say in your uh, promos, you were, you were around before even that idea was, uh, kind of overplayed. Yeah, I think Dan, uh, Dan, the primary host of the show, is very defensive about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I don't care. Every, uh, there's plenty of bad movies, plenty of time for people to listen to podcasts and record podcasts, so mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Check us out. I think we're funny. Or else I wouldn't have done it for this long. <laughs> yeah. We're still working on it, you know. The, the, the dawning horror of you realizing that after nine years, if that happened on our show, oh, I, yeah. I don't know if I would be happy to have the exclusive. <laughs> the, oh, my God, I've wasted yep. my life moment. moment. Or yep. it would just make me too sad to keep going. And exactly. Then the, it's... the next episode, me and Cole having our moment of the same thing. <laughs> yeah, it just cascades. <laughs> the entire podcast industry just collapses under its own weight as everybody like, goes and volunteers for Greenpeace. <laughs> it's like the pieting contest and Stand By Me, but for <laughs> quitting podcasts. <laughs> like, um, uh, how did you uh, – so you, you said Dark Souls 3, and when we were talking uh, in leading up to this and, and talking to you about being on the show – um, is it, is it true uh, or confirm or deny that you do not have, uh, this is, is this your first Dark Souls game or this is the one that you have just have the most catalog with and you've tried other ones as well? No. So this is, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Does Bloodborne count as a Souls game? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then, uh, my first Souls game was Bloodborne. Uh, I just, I just gotten a PS4 and I had always kind of, uh, I'd always been nervous about picking up the Dark Souls series partly because they, you know, they've been sold on the difficulty and I'd had bad experiences with, uh, with RPGs that are, you know, like sword, uh, sword and sorcery or medieval fantasy style, uh, RPGs. Like I really didn't care for dragon age. Mm -hmm. Um, <clears throat> and the idea, I was also nervous about picking up like another, I, I had heard that it was kind of an open world game. And I didn't really, I, I, those games just end up stressing me out too much. You're, uh, you're like the witchers or, uh, I'm trying to think of some other, Skyrim. like Skyrim is a perfect example. These are games where like, I just get, I get this feeling like the completionist in me wants to do everything, but I know there's no way that I'll be able to do everything. Uh, but for whatever reason, I, uh, I took the plunge and picked up Bloodborne and I loved it and it was great and it got me hooked. And, uh, I had been, I was on my like third playthrough and then Dark Souls three came out. So I got it first thing and I've played through Dark Souls three at least once. And I'm halfway through a second playthrough. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I really dig it. And I'll probably pick up Dark Souls two at some point. I don't know if, uh, I think I, I'd have to dust off my Xbox 360, but, uh, I, oh wait, was the first Dark Souls even on Xbox? The, the, First one, yeah, you can do okay. uh, the first one on PS3, 360, or PC. Yeah. Um, so as as much as I'd like to say I was like 
I was uh, I was a convert from uh, all the way back to Demon Souls. That is not the case. I am a late adopter, like many things. Yeah. Well, this is uh, like this is something we've talked about. You know, we've wanted to get the perspective of somebody who uh, kind of came to the series uh, recently, uh, especially in Dark Souls Three, because so much of it is uh, kind of like referential. Um, And we, we, you know, it'll be awesome to see this kind of through your eyes. (laughs) Let's hope. (laughs) (laughs) And the nice thing, uh, so Dark Souls Two as well, you can get the kind of definitive edition of that uh, on PS4. So no need to dust off anything. Yeah, and that has uh, that has all the like DLC mixed in there, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and so the updated version they did kind of like a remix uh, version and, of it that's better. And well, I don't I don't mean to make you, uh, you like go out on a limb or anything, but uh, is the is it a situation where like the DLC really kind of rounds out the game, which is kind of how I felt about Bloodborne. Like I feel like Bloodborne got better quite a bit with the inclusion of the DLC. Yes. Very much. Yes. So. Yes. Okay. And yes. Yeah. We, okay. we agree on both those points. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the, um, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's awesome. It'll be interesting, interesting to hear. And I, I just curious about your experience with it because, uh, as Cole kind of mentioned, so much of it is, is kind of a reference or callback. Um, and the game does seem to keep kind of banking on some emotional moments that come from, uh, playing the first game. It'll be also if you go back to the first one, you're going to have the experience of seeing the origins of all this stuff, which will also. Oh, be weird. yeah. yeah. And you're going to be like, oh, this who's the Siegmeier guy? And why does he remind <laughs> me of my good buddy? Like, <laughs> the, you know, Siegward. You know? Uh, OK. Yeah. You'll be yeah able- I, I gathered that there was some kind of backstory to this strange, uh, like jovial onion fellow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jimmy Onions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um no, get away from me jimmy onions <laughs> now introduce me to your brother brian onions um, <laughs> hey listen here oh i never met a brian onions i didn't like um yeah no you're <laughs> gonna be experiencing the uh the series like merlin living a backward in time oh yep <laughs> that's a good pull <laughs> <laughs> um yeah very very cool yeah we're really happy to have you um yeah thanks cool. for having me i love see now on my podcast when i on my podcast the flop house uh, I only get to spend about 30% of the time talking about video games and or board games. So it'll be <laughs> nice to spend more time talking about video games and board games. Get to stretch your legs, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And to be fair, most of the video game talk on the Flophouse is about the DuckTales NES game. <laughs> yeah, DuckTales and Battletoads. <laughs> yeah, true. You can do, do far worse. You really uh, could. Than that. Which, are, which are two complete different ends of the difficulty spectrum. Because... <laughs> DuckTales is super easy. I mean, that was uh, that felt like the confidence bottle of all NES games where, like, <laughs> they kind of released that so kids could feel like they can beat a Nintendo game. Mm. But then Battletoads, like, I think I've only gotten through the Turbo Tunnel, like, once. <laughs> yeah, ba- ba- so if, if DuckTales is the, uh, the innocent naivete of childhood, Battletoads is the <laughs> yeah. crushing reality of adulthood. It's, it's yeah. puberty. <laughs> it's the puberty game. That's why all the characters are named Zitz, Rash, and Pimple, dude. <laughs> Yep. Like that's why And that's uh, why when you punch somebody like three times your hand grows super big. Like Yeah, yeah I don't know about you guys, but when I started getting pubes, grow. my hands got huge. <laughs> yep. No, my uh, my nickname in high school was Everlong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Uh, cool, cool. What did we do? Uh, what did we do last time on on old bonfire side chat? Ah, so previously, we walked through the uh, the little town of horrors that is the undead settlement, uh, defeating the curse rotted Greatwood and uh, finding a new old friend in uh, Sigvard. Um, and by figuring out the inscrutable puzzle of the Great Lift, uh, we found our way to uh, the Road of Sacrifices, uh, the entrance of which was presided over by one of these uh, beastly outriders of Irithil. I mm-hmm. do not like those guys at all. <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't know there there's one of them in a later area of the game that uh, is kind of past our spoiler wall. Uh, uh-huh. So the um, and and essentially the spoiler wall, which I, I probably should have clarified for for you, Stuart, is we're just okay. we don't talk about uh, anything uh, anything past uh, Lothric or not Lothric Irithil when you first okay. get there. Um, yep. So. Uh, but the um, there's a guy a little bit later in the game that I didn't even know he was there until my most recent playthrough. Like these guys are sprinkled everywhere. Um, those outrider knights. Yeah, uh, I think I I think I found like three of them. I don't know if that's a spoiler, but I think no, that's no, how many I, I found. Yeah, yeah that it's it's okay to let us know that you caught them all. <laughs> um, so, so we we head down this uh, this elevator and we go to uh, from this path. All right, this this road of sacrifices is. This uh, this way that the Cathedral of the Deep and these evangelists were kind of uh, trafficking people, um, you know, they they were at the settlement. We saw um, their kind of uh, their their preaching. Um, we found evidence of them burning people alive, carrying people in cages and stuff. And uh, this road goes to the cathedral where these people are presumably fed fed or fed to Aldrich, uh, who we know to be a person eater. Um, mm-hmm. This road also converges with uh, the land of Farron. Uh, who is that is presided but over by these watchdogs who uh, guard the abyss watchers who watch it, it's a real like nested it's a you know much choice kind of thing the watchdogs who watch the abyss watchers who watch the abyss um, okay yeah and who and who the abyss watches watch. back presumably <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> one, one can only assume yeah be careful when you look at the abyss watcher because the abyss watcher watches back and so does um, the abyss yeah <laughs> So uh, that episode is going to be in a couple uh, episodes from now. We're going to the cathedral next. Uh, oh, but we're going to explore the entire uh, kind of crossroads here. Yeah, and this is a uh, this is a confusing place. <laughs> so, in what sense? Oh, just uh, just in the sense like we got a lot of uh, a lot of listener mail um, talking about like oh I had no idea that there was this whole other boss this whole other way I could go to. Most people they kind of found the way to Fair and Keep and uh, got stuck at the uh, at the wall um, beyond that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, uh, and, and I originally had our season planned with us going to Farron's Keep next because that's the way that felt most natural to me um, in terms of difficulty as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it's actually not the uh, the critical path. Yeah. So. Yeah, wait, who makes that decision? I guess I guess technically it's easier to... Is it is it faster to do it this way, to go through here and then to the, the cathedral? The cathedral gets you an item uh, that you need to proceed to uh, to Irithyll. Um If you go to uh, if you go to the the Ferenc Keep and uh, and the catacombs, that is easier. Like the cathedral is just a, just a meat grinder, right yeah. now at least. Um, but uh, you're gonna get stuck without, yeah, uh, without having yeah. gone here. Yes, yeah. that makes sense. Um, so this first little landing here, the the weird kind of part of the road of sacrifices is it has this like lobby. Uh, yeah, this like spooky bird lobby uh, called the, the Corvian's Crevice. That's that, 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 that's me. That's that's totally <laughs> oh, that's just a thing from, that I said. That's nope. not from the guide. Nope, the Corvian Crevasse. That is just me. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> is that your nickname in high school? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, as as we leave, we we get our bonfire, and we have this gigantic uh, kind of crevasse in the ground, and then uh, we can actually see the cathedral we're heading towards. 
Um, so we're kind of working our way around this chasm, and we're introduced to a new enemy here, uh, these Corvians. Yeah. I love the way these guys are introduced because they uh, they start out humanoid. They're kind of hunched over, but as you approach, um, wings explode out of them like they're uh, like <laughs> you're just inflating like a gigantic raft out, out of its box or something like that. Like airbags. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like yeah, backpacks, and I, yeah. And I love how the first one you find in... It, it, I mean, this feels like it fits the theme to the game, but the first one you find is like kind of hunched over and kind of like scared of you a little bit. And then he totally flips out. <laughs> yeah, they, they get their wings and it gives them them confidence. Yeah, they're like, like, uh, like Steven Tyler. All dumpos. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the um, once they get that feather, did you say they're like Steven Tyler? Yeah, get your wings. Oh, okay. I, I was I don't know, know if I know that song. Just, okay. um, I mean, like I guess they have some Steven Tyler like properties. Hard to look at. Yeah, yeah, hard to look at. Big gaping mouths, um, scarves. <laughs> they're like the Stevie Nicks's of the bird world, mm-hmm. like the Stevie Nicks Johnny Depp, Steven Tyler trifecta of scarves. Um, <laughs> They, uh, if they wouldn't transform into birds, they would be so much harder to kill. Mm-hmm. Like they're hard to kill as birds, but while they're transforming, you usually just kind of beat them down. Yeah, you know, I I find um, these guys have uh, interesting kind of like lore to them. If you uh, these guys in the caster versions of them, the storytellers, the storytellers, yeah. yeah. Um, so this is another one of these references to Dark Souls One, um, but they are uh, they tell these uh, these stories of the painted world. Uh, of Ariamas, which is an area in Dark Souls 1. Um, and that area was also kind of presided over by bird people, uh, yeah. these kind of half-raven creatures. Mm-hmm. So we can presume these are descendants, uh, I imagine. Yeah, or uh, or they uh, they have uh, uh, kind of unlocked the secret of this kind of like half-transformation. Um, it, it's definitely perverted because like the, uh, the crows from that, from that level, they are, uh, like the, their upper halves turn into crow bodies. These guys, they pop out willy nilly. They kind of look like, uh, um, like, what is it like Sephiroth or whatever, like, like angels, uh, like, you know, <laughs> biblically, biblically yeah, accurate like angels. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, no, like Sephiroth. Yep. Like Sephiroth. Yeah, they, they do kind of look like Sephiroth. Yeah. A you little didn't bit. know what you're getting into. Did you, Stuart? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk a lot about Final Fantasy Bishonen boys. Yep. No, I, I walk over and pull a cord and then just the sign falls down. Bonfire side <laughs> chat reveals to be Bishonen boys. <laughs> when we no. <laughs> um yeah the, the um yeah so i don't know exactly what to i still haven't figured out like what to make of these guys on the whole um as far as like where they're at and what their relationship is to you yeah. to the painted world other than just kind of being these like refugees or emissaries yeah from it the uh the storytellers like storytellers in dark souls 3 that's just a euphemism for priest like that happens yeah. with uh with the knights of kareem and stuff like that i can only assume that they are uh, kind of like either worshippers of uh, priscilla the uh the the half dragon or uh or whatnot like but just uh I, I get the idea that they are they are kind of like wandering down this road i almost feel like this and this is going to be a theme throughout the entire stage here this entire episode this feels like a like like a cast off from bloodborne a little bit mm. this is this is really bloodborne-y the, i think it, the enemies are um here i don't think the next area is laid out very bloodborne right um but these enemies are definitely bloodborne mm-hmm. yeah i can see that the like definitely the the like kind of uh the the like the two stage and the kind of like burst attack basically where they all of a sudden just start lurching at you and uh i guess it's like they 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 definitely throw you off uh your normal rhythms at least initially at least i did yeah 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that 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 flail, that freak out attack, mm-hmm. which does a lot of damage. And if you get kind of trapped in two of them doing that, the the first for a bad time. My first playthrough, I think I I was either I either had the I think I had the Vort's Great Hammer. I went with a strength build, and those guys they weren't that bad because if I could run up on them like two or three hits and they're totally dead, like they never had a chance to attack. But on my mm-hmm. second playthrough, I was wielding, like, I think I was a, a, a dexterity build, so I would shoot them a couple times, and they'd eventually run over at me, and then I'd have to hit them with, uh, hit them with like, my katana or whatever. And <laughs> they were significantly more difficult. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you, uh, if you head down to the left here, there's a little place you can drop off, get the uh, Brigand Twin Daggers, which is the first dual-wielding weapon. We found in Dark Souls Three, yeah, um, which is kind of their take on power stancing. Um, yeah. Is is gear specific? Yeah, it's uh, it's like one slot, and uh, you can just uh, change your um, handedness on it to uh, you know attack with both of them at once. Um, and these yeah. are pretty useful. I like the uh, the weapon art on this one, like that quick step kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Really, really good uh, way to dodge um, more quickly. Um, we missed something here before, but uh, that overturned uh, uh, carriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah that uh, obviously was what kind of what they used to carry some of these bodies. And we know there are bodies because if you look inside of it, there are like shelves. Yeah. Like <laughs> they have been maximized for capacity. It, it kind of looks like um, almost like the Corvicans escaped from those. Hmm. Yeah. Not that I don't understand why they'd be taken to the, you know, to the road of sacrifices unless just because Eldrick will eat anything. <laughs> like that, that guy, uh, the, you know, that guy's got a bottomless appetite, iron stomach. <laughs> um, you know, so I don't, but that's what it kind of looks like the way they're arranged yeah. to me. Um, to me, to me, it looks there. like they're, to me, it looks like they're inspecting at like the site of like a bandit attack or a brigand attack. Maybe that's why the brigand twin daggers are nearby. Hmm. Oh, sure. And they're like picking over the remains of a, like uh, yeah, <laughs> like, like some kind of winged creature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. That, that makes sense as well. Um, the, uh, and then we, uh, you know, the brigand. Uh, here we don't actually have, but there is somebody who nearby who would possibly want to break into a uh, <laughs> a cart containing tasty human flesh, yeah, and get it because we're introduced to our old buddy, uh, <laughs> Maneater Mildred. Yeah, she's not named in this one. Uh, this yeah. is this isn't an, an invasion, um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, Maneater Mildred who always shows up in woods or swamps, um, and has her gigantic cleaver um, uh, attacks, and this is pretty difficult because you're fighting her on like this ledge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unless oh, she just man. falls off. Well, yeah. It's like, it's, it's bad for her too. Like I've definitely <laughs> had her like start her weapon art and just had me like kind of move out of the way <laughs> and, and have her uh, jump off the cliff before. Yeah. The the worst is when I accidentally have a Corvian chase me and then I'm fighting her and a Corvian at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause she uh, like that, that, uh, that, that butcher uh, sword that she has is, is really effective. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. And, it, it's a it's a great strength weapon. That was the weapon that I ended up finishing the game with with my strength hmm. build because it has the it has the A scaling for strength. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's just you know, and it looks pretty cool. <laughs> it looks cool. It drains some some HP on hit when you hit an enemy and stuff. It is it is a good weapon. Um, yeah. And uh, the other kind of like noteworthy thing here, there are a couple of uh, kind of twisty turns and paths. Some more Corvians uh, you fight. 
But there's this bridge um, with this little bridge ambush that you can avoid and kind of turn the tables and ambush them, <laughs> which I really love, by jumping down to this little area under the bridge yeah. here. So if you charge uh, straight, there's a story. heroin in L.A. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, if you charge straight, uh, there's a storyteller that kind of six just an unfathomable number of these things. Like it really uh, is a, 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 a kind of like a parade of pain. Um, but, yeah, if you jump down here, there's like a little... Uh, um, kind of undercrop here that has uh, some items, but they're guarded over by this dog that appears to be pregnant with magnet with like magnets with magnets. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's where magnets come from. Yeah. Yep, from dogs under bridges. <laughs> Don't worry, they they were chocolate covered magnets. It was okay for them to eat those. The um, I didn't I didn't notice that it looked like a regular dog to me. Ah, it's like um, it's got a very like distended bloated belly. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but these guys, they're guarding some stuff that uh, presumably a priest died down here um, along the road. Um, somebody who uh, kind of like a priest of Kareem. And this is where you can get uh, kind of your first Braille um, tome that you can take back to Irina. Well, and and uh, Morn Drang, like this is either a priest died here or um, Irina and uh, Igon traveled through here. Hmm. Um, and this is evidence of their passage because we we know where they ended up. You know, Igon kind of taking her there to lock her up. In the yeah. basement in the undead settlement, uh, but that would they could they would move through here to get there presumably. Yeah. Um, so that's what I always took it as, as as kind of evidence of their passage because there's one item for each of them. Oh yeah, there's a you know a, a Morn item and all of uh, uh, Igon stuff is Morn stuff, and then there's the uh, the tome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my first playthrough uh, when I was talking to uh, who's the who's the uh, the say the the nun what's her name uh, Irina the priestess Irina yeah. So I was talking to her when she was in the prison cell, and I put my controller down on my leg, and of course, Uh (laughs) that hit a trigger, and I totally murdered her. (laughs) So I then had to deal with Igon. He wasn't happy. Oh, no. But uh, it definitely made me wonder when I, like, when I found this tome, I was like, why is it Braille? (laughs) Yeah, you just murdered. Usually when people are dead, you don't assume that they're blind. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I didn't really, I I don't think she explains it when you first meet her. Or maybe she did. I was too busy killing her. <laughs> yeah, you you listened with your with your sword. Yep. Yeah. Well, she asked you to reach out and touch. She doesn't specify with a hand. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I can't feel anything. <laughs> oh yeah, me neither. You know, and then just uh, this is what I do to feel. Yeah, the best thing was that it was a trigger, so it was my heavy attack. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you wanted to be sure. Yeah, yeah. that's only one way to know. Um, yeah, uh, unless you were playing a, a miracle character, you didn't miss much, right? Uh, okay. yeah. With her, um, so the uh, we can give this this tome to her, and it expands her uh, inventory, um, and lets her it teaches her spells essentially uh, that she can then teach you. Um, this one is a okay, and the way you know it's a okay is because it is divine. Uh, okay, if the if the tome says divine, it's fine to give it to her. Um, if it doesn't say it is a, or do they all say divine? And some of them are just bad. Cold, do you remember? I can't. I can't recall. I think uh, they they either say like profane or corrupted or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think it says so. Divine is good for her. Uh, the if you want to try to teach her like the dark arts, uh, that's when you get the, you know, we and that's when we'll we'll chat about her her quest line is when we get the first one of those, um, which I think is in the next area. I thought it was this one, but it's not. It makes um, sense th- for it to be in the next one. Yeah, I think it's in the cathedral. So once you, uh, that's when you can kind of actually start her her quest line. Yeah. Um, yeah, but for now we can just kind of expand her inventory. Yeah, 
Yeah, but beyond this, you can kind of get up onto this uh, overlook with uh, one of these abyss-touched Corvians here uh, with the glowing red eyes, and uh, you have a pretty good vantage point. Like, I just, uh, like, rained firebombs down on these guys to clear it out. You could also do, like, a really good drop attack from here. Yeah. Because yeah, they'll gather around mm-hmm. morons. Um, <laughs> it seems like so- that's such a better strategy than me trying to lure them out one at a time and kill them <laughs> across the bridge. I think there's some kind of behavior or AI. I tried doing that as well this first time through because I just wanted to be cautious so I could see as much as possible. I think that the storyteller actually like six them on you. Like you can attack at range and that kind of marks marks you for it. Yeah, I, th- I think I started. Sh- I shot him with arrows from a distance until he died. And then they weren't quite as bad. But yeah, I remember there being way too many the first time I just charged across the bridge. It's like five or six. And if you, if you get them all flailing around and doing those dive attacks, it's, uh, you know, you're, you're done for. It's a bad time. <laughs> so some enemies chain pull. So it could have been the kind of thing if you tried to pull one, they just have AI that makes them all act as a group. Uh, like, like Goonies. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so you move uh, move through here to this uh this the hallway halfway fortress. Is that a cool name or a guide name? No, that is uh that is what you look at. Uh, that's what the bonfire's called. Bonfires the halfway uh, halfway fortress. Um and this is this kind of a ruined shrine here. There's a bonfire and a little building, and we're introduced to uh, some more uh, new NPCs here. Um, Henri of Astora and her buddy Horus, the comedy <laughs> or, or his, boy, or his buddy. Or his. Oh, you're yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, that's that's pretty interesting, right? Because mm-hmm. um, Henri will always be the opposite uh, gender from your character. Yes. So if you're rolling as a as, as a male, Henri will be female, and vice versa. And that relates to um, kind of one of the longer, more intricate uh, quests that you yes. can do yep. that uh, determines the ending. Yes, um, which we, we will talk about uh, later, just not to, to spoil it, but it is interesting. Uh, I think the, the lady voice actor for Henri is better Yes, uh, than the guy voice actor. Um, personally, I've tried, I've tried both. Um, the uh, Horace's voice actor, just like there's... It's, oh, he's great. <laughs> yeah. They, they, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just kind of... Uh, is is angry? Yeah, um, <laughs> I think since I was I was looking over the wiki and I saw an interesting hypothesis that uh, he might be hollow. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that is uh, I mean, because Henri is uh, canonic- canonically hollow, mm-hmm. um, which we know. Um, so it is possible that Horus is, or I mean, she is uh, uh she's un- cursed. Yeah, she, she's, or- yeah, she's unkindled. She's yeah, she's unkindled. She's on the same um, quest that you're on. Yes. Um, and uh, but Horus might be might be too far gone and we're going to get to uh, some stuff with him that makes us make more sense mm-hmm. um these guys are interesting uh so they're essentially on a really similar quest to yours but they have kind of this revenge bent to it as well in that they are specifically seeking uh aldrich and uh the reason they're doing so if you and this comes from my like, equipment and stuff things like this is that they have actually uh it's heavily implied that they escaped from the uh, church of the deep as kids yeah uh the, uh, on- the only two children to ever uh to ever escape aldrichism all yeah, his his pantry essentially, <laughs> which is which is pretty awesome. Um, you know that they're they're out and uh, looking for revenge uh, as orphans. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for now, they just kind of give you some some reasonable you know information, um, and also uh, you know give you access to this covenant, the Blue Sentinels, uh, which work the same way as they they do in Dark Souls Two. Um, if somebody has the way of blue on and they get invaded, you can get called into the world to defend them. It's a good guy covenant, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You want to be a buddy? Yeah, you're the you're, you're the you're the blue police as well as yes. what you're doing. <laughs> I find that it works a lot better now um, oh, yeah. than it did in Dark Souls Two. 
For sure. Um, I mean, it's mechanically the same thing, but it, it does work way better. Yeah. Like it actually fires more often uh, because of probably, I mean, I don't actually know this, but probably because of how like level ranges are calculated and just uh, the way that invasions are weighted in certain ways. Mm-hmm. So like when you invade, uh, when you invade somebody, um, it is weighted, it like gives priority to invading people who have helpers with them mm-hmm. already. Uh, and then the, uh, I imagine there might also be some kind of thumbing the scales that work with this as well. Um, so you're, you're much more likely to get in, to get summoned, uh, using this than you were in previous games. Mm-hmm. So. There, there are a couple more uh, details about uh, Henri that I thought were, uh, were pretty cool. She's similar to uh, to Solaire um, in in the gear uh, that she uses. Uh, mm-hmm. Her sword is is shitty, but like it scales with luck or uh, gets better with luck, which kind of implies like, oh, there's nothing really special about Henri. They're just you know she's just incredibly lucky. Um, and also you know you you might be kind of like led astray saying like oh, Henri of Astora, like this is like Oscar or anybody else who is from there, but actually no. She's not from Astora. She heard legends and went there and like got the elite knight set. Yeah, and the, well, the uh, and Astora. We also learn a little bit about Astora from this, this stuff too, in that it was kind of devastated. There's a disaster that befell it, um, and we learn about this uh, later. We get the evil eye ring uh, from her, and we will find there's somebody else who we have uh, we've found reference to that is very associated with eyes here, who is kind of sending his eyes out to devastate things oh. uh, because we can make his eye from the um, from Vort. Uh, and get his left eye and uh, there's kind of implication or at least a, a tenuous idea that maybe Aldric or not Aldric uh, Pontiff Sullivan who he was referenced there is possibly responsible for uh, devastation in Astora hmm. um, so we don't know for sure that's that's a tenuous link but it's possible but they, it's, it's why they have a mad on for the church yeah yeah that and and the, the being child slaves <laughs> um, child, yeah. child, child slaves in a death pantry <laughs> yeah. yeah it's the uh, it's it's one of those those two things, and we'll we'll get more into Henri as as she uh, she unravels or as she the or uh, he. unravels. She or he, I apologize. <laughs> I, there's, there's a canon one in my brain. Um, yeah. As they as they uh, as their quest unravels. Yeah, um, and what's good is uh, if you if you look at kind of the path that her, that her uh, quest takes, uh, that's kind of kind of going to be the order of the episodes that we uh, that we do. So yeah, works out well. So so you move uh, down out of this area into this area called the crucifixion woods. Can um, I, I just want, I just want to say something. One, one thing that I really, uh, liked up until this point, uh, of the, uh, of the road of sacrifices is it felt like the distance between the first bonfire and the bonfire at the halfway fortress, uh, on both my playthroughs was, uh, positioned almost perfectly. Like both times I was out of all my, like I was low on health and I really needed to find a bonfire and I felt like they give it, it's well designed and that they know exactly <laughs> like exactly as uh, as as far as you, you need to go before you need that. You need that bonfire. Yeah. And they even put it like right after that, uh, that big push that you do at the bridge. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's true for almost all of Dark Souls uh, three, except for one specific area, I think is too harsh with that, which we'll get get to later. Um, okay. But there, there's one one area. I'll, uh, I'll ask you off air. <laughs> yeah, ask me ask me in the green room, Stuart. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's there's one place I think is just uh, is mildly too harsh with that, where I was repeatedly kind of stretched a little bit too far. Uh, there's a shortcut there that I neglected to find, but even on finding the shortcut, I think it's a little it's spaced a little bit wide. Yeah, for me. Uh, but for the most part, it's it's the best in the series as far as spacing those things out. It's really really good. Yeah. Yeah, as far as generous or being too generous. 
Uh, I don't think it's uh, number. Dark Souls Two is too generous, um, which you'll when you you eventually play it. But the idea is the encounters are denser in Dark Souls Two, so they're they're more demanding. But you have kind of spots to to refill more. Yeah. It's like designed around it, but they're okay. they're more frequent. It's designed for like um, a sprint kind of thing. Yeah, like short sprints as opposed to these kind of longer endurance things. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel like these are too. Uh, too generous i think that some people do because the ones in one uh in the first game there are larger spaces so there's a lot of tension there um i personally don't mind a density of encounter design that makes it about the individual challenge rather than just kind of an endurance match okay so i yeah i like the three system personally yeah uh but you know, I love I love all my children. Yeah, feels so I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I call them. I mean, uh, like the th- three uh, Goldilocks. It, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's somewhere between one and two. Yeah, with that. Yeah. Um, so the next area here, Crucifixion Woods. I would almost prefer that this area be called Crucifixion Woods. Have its own like, a, title card. Yeah. As opposed uh, to yeah, just being kind of a, a name with the the bonfire. Yeah, I understand the road of sacrifices makes it fit into kind of the ecology of these kingdoms and the way they interacted with each other. But uh, mm-hmm. that's Crucifixion Woods is pretty badass. Well, it, the Lord <laughs> yeah, of Sacrifices yeah. goes through the Crucifixion Woods. Yeah. Take a left at the Crucifixion Woods. <laughs> take a right at the you know, the Carnal Bloodhouse. And uh, yeah. If you, if you, if wave wave the, to the crabs. Yeah, wave to the crabs. If you see this, the, the skinned and bloated man, you've gone too far. Like, um, yeah. <laughs> take, take, take a left by where the graveyard used to be. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Where they built a graveyard on top of, where they built a, a an Indian burial ground on an ancient Indian burial ground. Um, the, uh, so this is, this is a big, huge open area. This is the first time we've had this in the game. Uh, and you can go in any direction. You just kind of have to go generally forward through this big box. You know, it's like a big, uh, almost like a big uh, circle here, a big cube. Um, so we're going to kind of hit individual set pieces and enemies rather than prescribing a path because there isn't really one. You can make a lot of different ways to get to the end and also just skip the boss here and go right to Farron's keep if you like. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to kind of like break this up. I, or at least I did by kind of like, if you, if you hug the right wall, if you walk straight out or if you hug the left wall, um, yeah. and each of them kind of gets you, uh, gets you to different places. Um, as you kind of come into this, you get to a hilarious enemy. Um, these lycanthrope hunters, which are these, uh, these undead with these strange faces feels like they're kind of like partway through a transformation. Um, they attack you as sharpened logs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you when you uh when you kill them they drop um either spears or lances they, mm-hmm. like they don't drop uh, this cool log god i want that so bad i want the log <laughs> that log <laughs> gotta get that log yeah um yeah uh these guys are great like it's just like a gigantic wooden pointy stick <laughs> and i like <laughs> i like how they seem to be like marching along like they're pilgrims on their way somewhere yeah they don't yeah, seem to be like defending anything. They seem to be like moving in a specific direction with a specific, or just like aimlessly wandering about, holding giant logs. There's there's some kind of reverence going on here because of all the. Uh, we started also running into these uh, these up these upside down peace symbols, uh, the, these circular pieces of wood that have uh, an inverted peace symbol on them. Uh, that kind of looks like a person strung up, almost like somebody being crucified. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, here and I don't. This is it's kind of weird because I I have such a good idea of what the road of sacrifices is. Um crucifixion woods unless it is just a place to like crucify your meat in order to make it like have that extra sorrow flavor or something to it. <laughs> I don't I don't yeah. really know what's going on. Like do, do you under like do you know Cole like it, as it makes sense to me as part of the road of sacrifices but not as a separate 
area like why there's a stop off in crucifixion town it really doesn't so like this is like right at the right at the gate of uh fair and keep and uh and the and the cathedral i kind of read these guys as just kind of like the indigenous people here mm-hmm. like the like the swamp dwellers um you know and when we encounter you know they, like these guys are lycanthropes they're in the middle of transforming uh, into something when we encounter the fully transformed version of these guys they kind of have the uh the the, the crosses strapped to their back almost yeah. like yeah. they were like they were strung up there either uh you know just because like hey this is for your own good or this is the ritual to you know have you you know ascend or or, or whatnot like i just i just kind of think that these guys kind of like the corvians um you know are like maybe warring with them maybe they're both kind of like native to this place um you know as part of the swamp i don't know the frustrating part i mean the fact that they drop a pike is why why i don't know this mm-hmm. you know like i don't there's not equipment uh for these guys which is how you know dark souls tells stories yeah um so it's kind of a bummer that like i can't get any of this gear or anything to get to know more about them mm. you know like it, it just kind of feels like there are, there's this lycanthropy story just kind of plop right in the middle of dark souls 3 yeah and that's you know, the, that's part that's, of why i say this is bloodborne yeah yeah yeah. yeah, those the lycanthrope enemies totally feel like a bloodborne enemy. Yeah, though the big guys, one hundred percent. Yeah, they they attack like one as well. And they're like such the assholes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's all just aggressive assholes. <laughs> yeah. A bunch of chets. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. A, <laughs> uh, but like the like the, their assholishness is kind of mitigated by the fact that they're usually just kind of like chilling uh, when you walk yeah. up to them, so you can always get a couple of free hits in as they stand up. Yeah, like Chet. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, he's go up and punch Chet in the back of the head while he's drinking a booze. Yeah. I think uh, in this area, they seem to be, and they're also guarding a couple of cool items, right? I yeah. think there's like a, either an Estus shard or something. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's kind of back behind the... Uh, okay, the, the, that's, the, that's the, the left path. I think I'm getting ahead of myself. No, that's fine. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah they're, they're little... Uh, they're little, little campfire yeah. over there. Uh, something that happens since this is right on the... Uh, the the stoop of Farron's Keep is that you start getting invasions from Farron's Watchdogs. Yeah. Um, which this uh this we can't join this uh, covenant just yet. Um, it's one of two covenants in this game that function like the forest hunters, uh, or you know, like a less interesting rat bros hmm. kind of, um, in in uh, in this game. So they're just kind of assigned to an area. If anyone goes in this area, you can be summoned to uh, to fight them off. Yeah. So I think that, you know, this is this feels like a really kind of easy area to me. And I think mm-hmm. that's very dependent on how how uh, viciously you get invaded. And that's doubly true for, for Farron's Keep later on. It's also interesting because there's an NPC summon here that you can like that. It feels to me in the times I've played through it, which I've gone through this area now three or four times, I think, um, that sometimes invades here and sometimes invades in Farron's Keep. Yeah. So and depending on whether you get that NPC invasion, um, uh, Yellowfinger Heisel, mm-hmm. uh will make this harder or easier as well. Yeah. Um, so I've definitely, the the first time he showed up, and I'm just going to, we're not going to necessarily talk about, it's, it's actually her, I think, uh, talk about her this time, but she came in while I was fighting the two other NPC fights. Oh, God. In this? Yeah, the message just popped up, and I was just like, oh, no, no. <laughs> oh, and she comes from behind, too. Yeah. Like she, uh, she, she comes yeah. from back toward the start. That was a lot of me uh, running, you know, backing up and, and creating choke points. And, <laughs> and stuff. Uh, is, she, I, is, is that the one that has the mushroom hat? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, she, she has a sad ending. Yeah. Um, the... Uh, 
Not, I just said that like she's a real person. And <laughs> she should somehow feel bad. Yeah, let's pour I some out on the floor. I don't, I don't care. Let's, okay, let's let's roll the montage. The yeah, those we lost this year. <laughs> um, anywho, uh, let's we'll tackle these from right to left. Yeah, uh, as you as you head down, uh, we mentioned the lycanthrope hunters, and we talked a little bit about the big guys, uh, which you're going to run into down here. But before that, you end up actually running into. Um, these uh these little mushroom beetle things. Yeah. From uh from Dark Souls 2. Yeah, or poison horn bugs. They're uh they're they're back. Um yeah. they just kind of uh like they're area denial. Um they they're peppered around to complicate some you know other encounters by uh by puffing out these poison spores. Yeah. yeah. And there's something and... about their their shells that reminded me of bloodborne stuff too. Mm. I, I think it's the uh, the general like tumorous growth with the uh with yeah. the holes and stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, this is where we're going to see a lot of these, these gravestones that have these uh, up down, upside down piece symbols or like, and they also look a little bit like the hunter's mark, mm-hmm. which is, uh, which is interesting too. Um, again, like there's all these little, like weird little hints that like maybe this bloodborne is canon. <laughs> I don't, I don't buy it, but there's like two things. There's like this and then some, like a description later. Yeah. And I'm like, huh. Pontiff but Sullivan I, I or the, yeah. uh, the, uh, left eye ring. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. The thing that references the, the deep sea. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't, I really don't think that's what it is. Um, the, uh, and this is where we run into the big guys, the gigantic, like Hanthrop guys who we were talking yeah. about, who are a real, uh, real pain in the neck. <laughs> yeah. So they've got this kind of like white fur and they're, uh, they're big and gangly. They've got the, uh, the grave markers on their back. Um, the other kind of grave marker that, that we see here, uh, that's kind of the upright plank with the, uh, with a crescent on it. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of again evoking the moon, uh, but these guys, uh, you can get some attacks in on them as they get up, but they just kind of like run directly at you. Um, yeah. Something else that's kind of like uh, interesting about them, if you if you look at them, they have kind of these craning necks. Um, yeah, that uh, kind of uh, it just moves out horizontally from their body a little bit, and it kind of looks like a little like a little bit like uh, um, oh gosh, the pilgrims, somewhat. Yeah, a little bit. I don't think that they're related. Yeah. Um, like we, we know enough about the, uh, the pilgrims and we know nothing about these guys mm-hmm. and I can't think of any way they would actually be related. I think it just might just be long necks or creepy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like the, uh, the, the female patients, uh, patient uh, yeah. piece from, uh, from yeah. Bloodborne. A little bit. Take that a mon. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so the, um, as you, as you kind of hug this wall moving forward, we get closer to the keep, uh, here. And uh, you you head into the, this little kind of uh, annex area. Um, there's a door that's locked that you eventually can make a shortcut that you'll never use um, <laughs> to go back here um, with it with a bonfire. <laughs> it's a it's uh, a it's a shortcut that you would only use if you went to fair and keep first and realize oh fuck I have to go back this other way. Well, and forgot that bonfires teleport you. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Somehow, <laughs> um, it, you know. And then uh, you find the the cell sword gear here. There's um I'll put it in the show notes even though I'm not crazy about it. But there's like a Kind of, I was trying to look up uh, lore suppositions for this area and research, and there's kind of a tortured, uh, like Dark Souls three think piece about armor descriptions telling stories. Okay, uh, that someone wrote about this piece of armor, and it was just like, oh, it's gold, so you knew it was, uh, you know, you knew it was somebody who was fancy, but then they've got a hood, so you know that they were ashamed and they were dishonored, and there's just like a thousand leaps in it. But the one thing I didn't notice until I read it in this article is that uh, the sellsword gear, um, all the descriptions are same except for the pants. Which strongly imply that whoever it was shit themselves. Uh, just, yep. uh, just going through the fact that Dark Souls Three is super silly um, for an entry in the series. There are a lot of jokes in this game for a game that is about uh, crucifixion woods. This is going to compl- <laughs> this is going to complicate my research because I usually just look at the chess piece. 
Yeah, no, the, this the look at the pants every time. Every character in this game has shit themselves. <laughs> There's just yeah. little details about their pants stains if you you take a look at it. Oh, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay, so if you examine the dung pies, uh, they say like, oh, some people keep these around as a, as a memory of when they still lived. So we can only suppose that undead people don't shit. So, yeah. this, so this person, he's been walking around as a dirty boy for possibly centuries. Yeah, he was alive. He didn't have an excuse. Like, here's the thing, guys. Let's let's level. If if one of a, if we became hollow, like you'd probably be okay shitting yourself, right? I think like I'd have the, bigger stuff to worry about. Yeah, I wouldn't care. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, it's like who at that point in for a penny and for a pound, right? Like, it doesn't uh, it doesn't matter. I got I got better things to do than unbuckle my pants and squat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I need I need to go hit this wall with a piece of dagger <laughs> or my forehead. Yeah, I don't, I'm not gonna go find a, a restroom. It's hard enough to find a restroom in real life, and and I and I'm a I'm a straight white male, age thirty to fifty. Like I, I'm America's sweetheart. I can I can have a hard time finding a bathroom. So yeah, the world's your bathroom at that point. <laughs> <laughs> come to Lordran. Come to Lothrak. The world is your bathroom. <laughs> Um, yeah um that's a good detail good catch <laughs> yeah it, it, it is a weird uh it is a weird little thing it's like the one piece i liked from this article that i think is straining wait a minute um, <laughs> also, also let, let, let's get you uh, get this out is isn't uh the sellsword gear some start uh, it's possible to start with that right yeah, yeah you yeah, can become yeah. you can start as a sellsword yeah so hmm. you can start having shit your pants in yeah. this game <laughs> You wake up in the grave like, this, hooray. This is, oh, no. This is a distant sequel to Don't Shit Your Pants. It's a spiritual successor. <laughs> it's, the, the, the bad ending is canonical. Yeah, it leads directly into all of Dark Souls 3. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, oh. the, uh, so, Stuart, I'm real curious. Uh, this like, next guy, what did you make of... So these black guys, black knight guys, um, huh? these mean something in the... Uh, if you play the rest of the game, the knight who's here. What, what did yep. you make of this guy? Well, I assumed he was the shitbag that I had to kill, and it took me a while, <laughs> but I totally did it. Uh, yeah, he was not cool. Um, I don't know. That's about it. I was. Just, I assume they're. I assume they were related to Farron's keep in some way, but that's about. That's about all I could figure out. That, like if yeah, if I didn't if I didn't recognize this guy, I would totally think this was Farron's deal. Like these guys were like outrider knights for for Farron's keep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or something. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, as far I don't know why he's actually here. No, nope. because um, he's you know we don't run into other ones for for quite a while. Um, and 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 these guys I'm assuming are have been part of the series for a while. Yeah, yeah, they're they're Dark Souls one iconic enemies. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, but if you uh, uh, look at these guys, like their gear descriptions, they uh, they once served Lord Gwen, uh, kind of the original uh, Lord of Cinder. Um, oh yeah, like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I've uh, heard that name before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> kind of a big deal. Uh, no, but these guys they uh, they burned up, and these are actually just animate uh, pieces of armor as opposed to uh, oh, kind of like okay. actually being bodies. But uh, it would make sense for them to be like to fall in line with uh, with Farron actually because uh, Gwyn didn't really get along with the Abyss that well. I, I mean, kind of. Yeah. Gwyn had a lot of, he was fighting a war on a lot of different fronts. That's yeah. not the defining factor of Gwyn or anything. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think his placement here makes one lick of sense. Nope. I was um, reaching. Yeah. I'll like, because uh, like <laughs> Gwyn, you know, Gwyn fought the demons, Gwyn fought the dragons. Like, Gwyn fights everybody. If the idea... <laughs> that something can be here because Gwyn doesn't like it, then anything can be anywhere. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I, I don't, I don't like that. This guy's here. It, it's a hard fight. And I, I grew to kind of dig the fight because this is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm bad at parrying uh, the great swords. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so it ended up becoming, and with poise being turned off, like I had to kind of reevaluate how I fought him. And I did this kind of like, last time uh, I fought him with my new character, with my luck build, um, I, you know, didn't lock on and just like was a real like hit and run kind of kind of maniac. And it worked really well uh, for this guy. And it was a cool fight. Yeah. But as far as actually his placement, a lore perspective, I, it's bothersome to me. Yeah. Because uh, I've wasted my life. <laughs> well, it's also like it's also like a little dead end, and it doesn't seem to give you much going over here. It depends on your build because you okay. get this. Uh, it dead ends into the Farron Coal, um, which uh, is what they uh, what was used to forge blades for the Undead Legion, um, and that gives you new infusions. So, like if you're if you're uh, running yeah, yeah. if you're running decks, like you can infuse something as sharp, and then basically make any weapon into a dex weapon. Yeah. 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 So it's cool. Like it, it makes sense uh, from a from a ludic perspective to have um, to have them here, but not you know necessarily from a lore perspective. Yeah. And then okay. if you're not doing anything with that uh, that coal, then it's kind of a bummer. Yeah. Um, uh, one other way to kill this guy, there's that uh, that like the uh, where you find the cell sword stuff. It's like uh, up a little uh, staircase. You can kind of kite him around that and yeah. uh, get him tangled up in that. Yeah. Um, the middle path goes right through the swamp, and I think this is the hardest one. I've always kind of just done like areas around this i've done little treasure dashes to get through here but um the reason why this is intimidating is because there's tiny little crabulons <laughs> within uh gigantor crabulons which uh, I, I, I never got good at fighting these things <laughs> neither did i these are uh these are kind of the equivalent of the uh the salamanders from dark souls 2 for me i've oh, never yeah. i've never beat one of them yeah have, I, how did you uh fare against these guys Dor- uh well the first time i ran around them and then the second time i shot them with arrows until they would submerge themselves and come back fully healed <laughs> yeah. i hate that so much i hate that healing <laughs> you know? they do. it's so unfair and crab <laughs> crabs in general are gross you yeah know? especially blown up to where you can see their upsetting mouth meat that's yeah. the thing my I had, a, I had a buddy who worked at a pet store when he was in high school and there was this crab they had that would just sit in the water with its little face pressed up against the glass and no. it would be blowing bubbles all the what time. What are you guys doing? <laughs> and they would feed it pinkies, you know, like little uh. mice. <laughs> they would always eat the mice from the back to the front. Oh, So no. the thing would be alive for most of the meal. It was the worst <laughs> thing. Like this crab was the worst creature on the planet. So that's what, what an, I thought of when I saw asshole. great crab. <laughs> Like that crab, that crab's an asshole. Yeah. It's a real jerk. <laughs> Born sadist. Wow. Yeah. He's bad crab. Um, yes. Yeah. I, I hate the idea of him like blowing bubbles. Like, yeah. I, yep. It just gives me like the like the impression like he would be uh, like a, like a schoolyard tough leaning against a brick wall <laughs> like with a leather jacket blowing bubbles and bubble gum. Like, like hey, yeah. come over yeah. here. It part of the reason I didn't uh, part of the reason I didn't go to my high school reunion was for fear of bumping into that damn crab. <laughs> <laughs> just gonna have this, be- this beautiful wife and just a, just a job. It's gonna just be a real. And I just can't like, face that. It's like, hey man, I treat you really bad in high school. I've changed, and I'm like, you're not allowed to change. You're first. <laughs> you would probably then just take his like his pleasure claw and reach into his pocket and pull out like a six pack of pinkies. <laughs> Like when you weren't looking, like you'd you think he changed, but he would just kind of in the corner, like spike the punch with pinkies. Then... <laughs> oh, just send, just send him swimming. <laughs> yeah, those poor little mice are just swimming around, being happy. Yeah. Fucking Chet Crabulon walks over and <laughs> devours them alive. 
It's all chat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, th- this enemy is so lovingly designed, too. Like, he has more versatility in his attacks and approaches than pretty much anything. <laughs> it, it's pretty weird, yeah. Like, for, for an enemy that you never have to fight, mm-hmm. uh, these are these things are never placed in an area you actually have to go. Right. Um, they show up in three places in the game, all of which are optional, and they're easy to avoid in all of them. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you notice that they, they move faster sideways than they do, yeah. like, like forward. Like, the, the, that got me more than anything is the charge. Because here, you're also fighting them in the, in the swamp. And when you get in that deep water, that dark water, um, you uh, can't move very quickly. Yeah. I didn't find, I must have avoided, I didn't find the patches of dark water here. Yeah. Uh, that became more of an area in Farron's for me. Um, yeah, that's way, which, that's way in the back. Yeah. I okay. think it's way near the back. The deep end of the pool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mildly worth hunting these things down because one of them will drop the Great Swamp Ring, uh, which boosts pyromancies by 12%. Yeah. Um, Whoa. And, yeah, so useful if you're using pyromancies, but you have to fight a bunch of crabs. Yeah. And if you uh, roll as pyromancer, you have this as starting gear as well. Yes. Okay. Can wear, can wear, uh, no, you can't, you can't double up on rings. So, uh, yeah, this is if you're dipping into, uh, to pyromancy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's some other good stuff out here. There, there are two shields. The twin dragon great shield is, uh, one of the lighter great shields you can use, mm-hmm. um, has a lower, lower strength requirement. And then you also find the grass crest shield, which is amazing. Um, even, if, even, even if you're going to dual wheel, because that, uh, uh, as we know, uh, increases your stamina regen. Yeah. If you're two handing it through that thing on your back, yeah, you're going to be a okay. Yeah. And even if it's um, on your back, it increases your stamina regen. Mm-hmm. As oh, long as awesome. yeah, as long as you can see it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so there's a there's a bonfire kind of in the middle towards the left, a, done, a little bit. I did like three or four runs through this area. I just noticed this when I was uh, playing it. I never got the crucifixion woods bonfire. Really? Yeah, until just now, yeah. I would make the uh, previously. I would just make the run from uh, from halfway fortress. It's hidden so far out, just like in in, in plain sight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't really see it from the ground, <laughs> so you have to uh, you have to really be kind of combing this area that is largely empty and just kind of woods, and without a glowing kind of treasure there to draw your eye, it's a, I could see it being uh, hard to see. I mean, I, I found it on my first run, but not I didn't make a beeline to it or anything. I just kind of scooted around and eventually stumbled on it. I'm like, oh shit! The, there's a pretty straight path to the to the left section of this map. The uh, the actual little little fortress of sorcerers and crap, mm-hmm. uh, and there's a little hole in the wall over there that I totally didn't find <laughs> the first my whole first playthrough. That yeah. that's hidden too. It's like ducked down. Yeah, the, uh, this I'm is, sure this we'll is, get to there. Th- this isn't a story or anything really, but there's a a place that's being remodeled near my house where there's a, a basement of a uh, an apartment, and they're digging up the floor down there and they have all these work lights and I walk by it regularly when I'm on my way to work or, or going to grab food or something. And, uh, they've dug under the door. So it like, I could just squeeze in there if I wanted to <laughs> and it's empty at night and there are all these work lights and it just looks cool and spooky. Like I'm going to find a skeleton King in there. Um, and, and it is really, uh, really tempting, uh, to get down there. And it's the same kind of thing. Like the door is kind of set down. So from street level, you just kind of see a hint of it. Hmm. Uh, but it kind of looks a little bit like this. Uh, so if anybody needs a place to squat, yeah, yeah, uh, sure. there's, there's, there's a place to squat near my house. Still, 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 those work lights are you know just uh, to strip the place of its uh, copper wiring. Like, yeah, they don't need it. Yeah, yeah, they can get more. It's fine. Yeah, and you can get plenty of money for that. Yeah, no, 
yeah, yeah, just grind some XPs out of copper wire. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's what I'm gonna do later. I'm gonna be stealing this uh this copy copper wire. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Duckfeed TV. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, I feel, like, I'm not, I feel but, like stealing copper wire is the real life equivalent of uh those open world games where you have to like harvest uh like herbs and crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking of Dragon Age, primary. Um, yeah. <laughs> the um in the so you, you find those items you can uh, go to that bonfire kind of in the middle uh there is a big uh gate kind of in the middle as well with this little landing that is guarded by two uh specific watchdogs um one using a great club and one using the exile greatsword um which is kind of this is an interesting uh kind of fight um because one of them stands and the other one patrols so they had this weird kind of metal gear moment where like if you wait to pull the one that's standing while the other one is around the corner, you can fight them one at a time, um, which I didn't realize until the second time through. The first time I ended up fighting them along with with Heisel, yeah. um, all three of them. But <laughs> you can actually aggro just one of them at a time and, and fight them here. And I kind of grew to really like these fights, but not until after my first playthrough. Yeah, it's uh, it's real harrowing uh, because you got these two uh, these two guys. Any one of them by themselves, uh, they've got these big you know, these big attacks you can uh, uh, dodge pretty easily. But uh, together, they just kind of uh, take turns. Yeah, um, with and they the, can heal. The so while yeah. one of them is is aggroing you, the other one can heal themselves. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think I got lucky my first playthrough and only and only pulled the first one over and killed him, and then his buddy came and got killed as well. So. <laughs> Everybody gets killed on this club cranium. <laughs> the um, the uh, the exile uh, greatsword I, was my weapon for my first playthrough. Yeah. After I found it, so I used like a, a, a strengthy dex or curved greatsword. Yeah, because uh, I like the curved greatsword. Yeah, the uh, moves that quite a bit. Moves that's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, these um, these guys are guarding the uh, the the entrance to Fair and Keep proper. Um, this is the path we're going to take uh, episode after the next one. Yes. Um, here, you just climb down that ladder. And it uh, should be noted, depending on your ladder patience, there's a bonfire right at the bottom of the ladder. So if you'd <laughs> rather make boss runs with patience than skill, mm -hmm. um, you can wait at that bonfire and then make that run to, uh, to the boss of this area if you want. If yeah. you feel like climbing an infinitely long ladder. <laughs> yeah, that's a really long ladder. Couldn't they just put like a like an elevator there? <laughs> You'd think so. I mean, it'd be good for those guys, too. It's not just for the player, but like they have to live here. <laughs> What does it say in the lore about elevators here? <laughs> <laughs> elevators are a fraught topic. Yeah. The, yeah, exactly. It's, we don't we don't talk about elevators. Yeah. Uh, the um I mean we talk about elevators. Yeah, we do. But uh yeah, it, it, I just wish that there was a, a moving up equivalent of, of speed the way you can slide down elevators. Uh, slide yeah. down ladders? <laughs> yeah. You just... I slide down elevators all the time, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That only happens at the climax of 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 a life. <laughs> like if you're the very end. Yeah, if you're sliding down an elevator, like you've reached the defining moment of your life somehow. I think that's called a fireman's pole. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, yeah. Sure. Yeah. And they they climax day after day, man. Fireman. I've I've read the calendar. <laughs> what these guys do. Yeah, I think I think this game could benefit from I don't know a magical set of gloves that lets you slide up ladders as opposed <laughs> to only down. If only because of how goofy it would look. Just do it like Godhand, where you don't climb up the ladders. You just use that as a jumping point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love the way Godhand handles that. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, you can accelerate going up the ladders, but it's insultingly slight. It's like the run button and everybody's gone to the rapture. Like, you yeah. just hold down B, you know. <laughs> uh, 
um, so that that's one way you could go, and you could just be done with this area, but we're not because we're going to check out the left path instead. Yeah, the uh, the 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 sorcerer's office complex, the Crystal yeah. Kingdom. Uh, so if you hug the left <laughs> wall, um, you kind of get over to that aforementioned kind of basement hole. There are a couple ways into this. There's also like a like a stair landing you can get, but like this whole area, it's kind of like featureless a little bit aside from that bonfire out back, um, which mm-hmm. has the uh, the heretic staff. Which is, uh, which is a pretty good uh, sorcery catalyst and also an Estes shard. You want to go back and get that. But most of this place is, uh, is, is just kind of encounters with uh, the regular undead that we've seen and also these uh, kind of like crystal de- or the, the sage devouts. These, these Farron sorcerers. So this is, this is kind of interesting. So these guys, um, you know, we, we learn about them and we learn about the boss here and they are sorcerers. They're descendant from, uh, from Logan, from Big Hat Logan. Um, that is why they they wear this hat and have this gigantic kind of wide-brimmed hat, and they are related to the boss. Um, however, they've also ally, allied themselves with Farron and have taught uh, Farron's Keep and kind of allied themselves and taught them a lot of sorceries Yeah, uh, that focus on this kind of practicality. So that's why you get your, like, really shitty uh, spells, <laughs> like Farron's Dart, which is absolute trash <laughs> and uh, does, like, two damage and is just useful for pulling enemies. Yeah. Um, so that's why they have they have weaker spells because they're allied with Farron, because uh, they're faster. The idea oh, okay. being that they're weaker and they are uh, they're more practical is what it says uh-huh. I think in the, the text. But um, I find their spells very impractical because uh, they don't kill things, <laughs> so, which, which is why I cast magic. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But it's just kind of making a connection between two different areas. One area we're going to see uh, quite a you know near the end of the season actually yeah um and so there, there's an alliance or there's some kind of connection between Farron and uh these descendants of uh logan yes kind of sort of big hat sorcerers yeah and that's a character from a previous game yes from, okay. uh, from dark souls one it just uh every time you hear it take a drink and try not to die <laughs> of alcohol poisoning uh it is from dark souls one yeah uh, so i noticed that if if you don't enter so i my first playthrough, I, I ran around that little area and I cleared out the bonfire, uh, the little like, uh, you know, the barbecue in the back. Uh, and then I didn't know where to go because I couldn't find the little hole in the in the building. Mm-hmm. But there's another you can get into this area a second way if you're coming from the middle of the board uh, back from where the you fight the two NPCs. If you head back, there's a staircase from the water that leads like a back entrance into this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which was um, very useful because <laughs> they were all asleep. That's that's the more direct way to to get in. Um, this way you're going through kind of more of a gauntlet. Yeah. Of, of casters. Um. So that the when I did my boss runs, I always ran over and went in the back door. Yeah. From over there. Yeah, and then and that uh that stairway door that is closer to the to the bonfire in the middle. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Oh, I never thought about that. Yeah, okay. it's, just, it's more direct shot. Like, you know, the, anytime they give you one of these big wide open areas, they kind of know that you're going to hug the wall to have a point of reference, it feels like. So mm-hmm. like like the it feels like they're almost kind of punishing you for doing that a little bit, punishing you with more content and like more of these little encounters with, yeah. uh, you know, sorcerers up on high yeah. raining down. And there's there's treasure to get here, too. If you yeah. if you you know, if you're a sorcerer, it's a good thing to go through here because yeah. you're going to get that staff. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, you go up to the top of, of Sorcerer Town. Um, the, the sorcerer office complex to meet our uh, actual uh, sorcery trainer. Yep, Orbeck of Vinheim. Yes. Uh, so, so you kind of make your way through this little hidden side path to go up to this guy, and he's just set up like literally a study in the middle of Sorcerer Nightmare Town. Like, 
it's so surreal. It's like walking through a Lowe's and you just see a kitchen set up, but then there's just like across from it, there's just boxes and shopping carts <laughs> and stuff. Like he's just set up a little miniature room. Yeah. He's like, uh, he's like Chuck Mangione in the Megalomart living in, in the, uh, the uh, toilet paper aisle. Yeah. Yeah. And he's got all uh, he's got all his scrolls on shelves and stuff. <laughs> yeah, he's he's posted up. My favorite detail about this is he's using one of the grave markers as an easel. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's really great. Yeah. This is also my favorite thing to roll through and destroy in the game. <laughs> uh, he doesn't react, but like rolling into that scroll rack mm-hmm. uh, is just like one of the only times like I'm on the record of being mildly annoyed by current generation video game clutter in things. Um I don't think it's often used well. It is really fun to roll in this scroll rack and just have <laughs> hundreds of scrolls explode out. Um, also, because, you know, fuck this guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he's, he's got so much attitude. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorcery is in forever. You have your own approaches, don't you? Yeah, <laughs> listen, brute. You know, listen, yeah, I don't think you want to you wanna watch this movie. I'm sure a showing of Despicable Me is at the theater around the corner. You can go watch uh so so this guy um so he's from venheim we know about venheim it is this capital of magic it is the place for the dragon school the sound uh, sorcerers the sound sorcerers yeah the, the spooks <laughs> of uh, venheim these kind of cool magic spies um and uh this guy you know eventually became uh, or is growing to become a sorcerer yeah. um he wanted to uh he was not real great with magic and he kind of made his way into it um if you have high enough intelligence which is 10 um you can recruit him and it's contingent on you finding him sorcery scrolls. Yes. Uh, which sounds on the surface like a cool thing. Uh, but in fact, if you are going to be using sorcery at all, you're going to do this anyway. So it's like really like a non-choice. It's like a non-obligation. Because you you want to have him have sorcery scrolls too. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Uh, so it's really, it's really kind of nothing uh, there. If you're a sorcerer, he'll stick around. If not, he won't. Um, he has a really like... He feels incomplete to me as far as his storyline goes, because there's a a reference, there's a character later uh, who you run into who charges you with uh, assassinating this guy um, because he is threatening one of the endings because he's related to uh, he's a threat to uh, to that faction. Um, There's nothing else in the game that supports that Mm -hmm. uh, in his dialogue or his items or anything like that. Um, So you just kind of do it for no reason. And it's unfortunate. And if you just give him a bunch of sorceries, he just kind of likes you. And yeah. that's that's honestly it. Um, it's yeah, kind of somebody told me to, Yeah, somebody told me to kill him, and I didn't do anything because he wasn't actively doing anything to make me think like I should kill him. Yeah, and yeah, so not killing him, I don't think affected anything. <laughs> it it doesn't affect anything either way, like killing him or not, because if you kill him, uh, you get his uh, his ashes, and then I think you can buy his stuff from the person you killed him with. I could be wrong about that part. Yeah. Or uh, from the from the main merchant. Uh, if you turn in her the ashes from to the merchant, you can buy his things anyway. Um, so it does cut off a sorcery trainer, but you're killing your sorcery trainer. Of course, it cuts that off. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, for for new sorceries for for scrolls. But yeah. it is a weird. He's a weird NPC. Yeah. Like I have these flashbacks of uh, Carhillion of the Fold from Dark Souls 2, where there's like nothing to him. Yeah. You know, and it just kind of feels a little bit unsatisfying. The bulk of his dialogue is uh, kind of like little history lessons about Dark Souls 1 primarily. As yeah. you as you give him these these scrolls that kind of belong to uh you know different people or different figures. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so I should be listening to him pretty carefully since I haven't played Dark Souls 1 yet. Uh yeah. It, or, it works or a little just... bit better as like a wink nod <laughs> reference kind of thing. Oh uh, okay. you know? yeah, it's it's winky it's winky winky like it is uh you know it's it doesn't actually help enlighten you about dark souls one 
Sure. Um, it tells the player things that they'd already know if they played it. And uh, if you haven't played it, you need to just you'll you'll get a better experience out of playing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was really hoping for more from this guy because he's a sound assassin. And from Dark Souls 1, those are one of my favorite, that's like my favorite little weird detail that was never expanded upon. I'm like, oh man, the sound assassins of the Dragon School. Like that is <laughs> so cool sounding. Uh, and was really expecting more from him and then uh, didn't get it. Yeah. So this guy bums me out. Uh, voice <laughs> acting is good. Uh, and that's why I destroy all of his stuff. Yeah. So. Also because he's a nerd. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. What's the, uh, uh, what's the, what's the intelligence uh, minimum you have to have to get ten. him? 10 okay yeah. <laughs> my my dummies i guess don't don't work <laughs> yeah yep. he doesn't uh he also gets real shitty uh with, with you because uh if you ask him like hey you know i'd like to learn some sorcery he starts going to ah, you must know the two faces of the dragon and then he says ah at least pretend to pay attention to me <laughs> like <laughs> can, canonically you disregard this guy <laughs> even yeah. if you're smart enough to uh to, to have him bless or you with his wisdom or he just assumes that you are like, I've had teachers like that. Oh yeah. Where like the teacher is just kind of like, okay, you guys are just going to fuck with me. It's like, I, I just met you. Dude. You're like, wow. Why are you swearing teacher? What is it? Yeah. It is. Uh, uh, it's the first day of class. Like give people the benefit of the doubt. Jerk. <laughs> yeah, don't come out. And, yeah. Don't come out and swear at us. I guess yeah. maybe it's like prison rules for this teacher. <laughs> well, I wasn't prison, prison school. school. Yeah. yeah. And the only prison school rule is that prison school rules. Um, <laughs> it's not for fools. No. Uh, I did do a lot of bad stuff. I was a kind of a fool. But, uh, right. but the, my my hopefully this podcast will scare, scare both you guys straight. Yeah. Uh, don't be like me, guys. Don't live in the stripping copper wire out of an apartment complex nearby. And <laughs> subsisting I'll, on floor pinkies. I'll try, oh, but I can't make any promises. Yeah. <laughs> uh he's uh this guy's in a big big ambush room if you go downstairs uh where there are just tons of there's a regular uh kind of hollows here and then the uh the sorcerer hollows the bigger sorcerer hollows yep um and also there's a hole you can fall into uh into an ambush with uh with a lichen throat down at the water yeah. line yeah Ugh. <laughs> yeah that's a nasty ambush too i because you're you want to be weaving between it's right between two pillars and you're weaving between these pillars in order to engage uh the characters in melee while dodging sorcery mm -hmm. um so you, you know it, it's a pretty well-placed trap i think yeah um if you i usually just run right through this room <laughs> yeah um, um, me too like eventually i kind of got got to it yeah yeah uh oh also uh, uh up on orbex level there's a there's a pickup that you can get that'll make the next boss fight a little bit easier these uh these blue bug pellets has one of my favorite descriptions in the uh in, in the game which is mm -hmm. uh it, it says that irithyl is overrun with moon bugs it's <laughs> <laughs> a good reason to move yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh no we've got silver moon fish yeah <laughs> um the, uh, so you kind of move through here. Uh, you can summon uh, Igon for this boss fight. Um, oh, okay. It's, it's where's, his, a, where's his summoning sign? It's behind one of the pillars. <laughs> okay. Uh, in, before you get on the little path upwards. And um, does that I, appear never, if you kill him already? Uh, <laughs> probably not. I think you okay. have to be on good terms with him, uh, okay. which means not killing him and, and probably not killing his uh, his blind ward. Sure. Yeah. So. On accident. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a... Uh, you know, he's, he's a man of few words. It'll be hard to explain him to that in, uh, in soul's court. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So you, so you make your way up this, uh, this little path, uh, and you have a surprise boss fight, which I kind of yeah. love, like did, totally did this catch surprised you guys by me. surprise. 
Yeah. <laughs> Caught me by surprise too, because you see this guy at the far side, and he's he's bigger than you, so he kind of reads like a you know like he would be a boss. But I kind of walked up to him, hoping to talk, and then he started uh, winding up to cast. Yeah, it, yep. well, he he's not that much bigger than the uh, the hat sorcerers you've just been fighting. Yeah, like he's a little squatter, but he's not he's not huge. He's not you know mega boss sized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he usually he, he usually opens up with that stupid like straight crystal wave thing that totally does a ton of damage. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Uh, the Metal Gear laser. Yeah, yep. yeah. But this is this is the the Crystal Sage. This guy he's one of two. Um, he has two of these uh, these big hat priest or big hat sorcerers. Uh, here, and uh, he, this one left from the uh, the Grand Archive in order to train the Wizards of Farron. Yeah, so that's why he's here. Um, he's definitely a successor to Logan, as we mentioned, um, which you can tell kind of by reading him. <laughs> and the uh, the boss fight kind of plays like a combination of like a standard kind of soul sorcery fight and the uh, the doll from uh, Demon Souls. Yeah, there's a with a with a little bit of uh, kind of pinwheel. Um, yeah, wrapped yeah. Into it. yeah some mild pinwillism. <laughs> um, so, so you just, uh, first you just kind of fight him. Um, he does sorceries at you. He's very slow. Um, you can stunlock him and beat him down. Uh, and then he teleports away. When he teleports away, he creates this like, kind of crystal stuff on the ground, which I, I really love because it's super fair. Like you see a little visual and audio indicator of where it's going yeah. to be. Yeah. You can get out of the way. Um, I was super terrified that these crystals were going to like do damage, uh, like even just like running up against them. Yeah, kind of like with uh with, with with Seether or whatnot. I love the way this guy teleports too, because he kind of like collapses into a hole and then his clothing follows. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's really great. Yeah, yeah. Cr- running into crystals doesn't hurt you in this game. It happens when we run into the gigantic crystal lizard as well, um, which is a, the first time in the series where just running into a crystal doesn't hurt you. Yeah, unlike uh, in real life, when running into <laughs> crystals totally destroys you. My ex-wife's name is Crystal. So that, <laughs> that, she works pretty awesome. <laughs> that, is, that, that is not a joke, I can assure you. Yeah, that's actually true. Actually, yeah, running into crystal does destroy me. I, yeah, that, that's not true on good terms. Yeah. But uh, it just kind of works out well. Um, the, uh, the cool, like, uh, so you fight him here, and it's it's all, honestly, like, pretty easy this first half, I think. Um, but then he has a, a phase change um, here, and the music dynamically changes, which I, I really like. And this is one of the yeah. few uh, music tracks I think is pretty memorable in this game. Yeah. Um, and he switches into, he starts pinwheeling it and sending out uh, dupes uh, that come out that have almost his entire spellcasting arsenal, but uh, you can't hurt and die in one hit. Yep. So. And they, but they, and they also, they're color coded, right? Well, they are, but they're color coded in a low contrast kind of color set that I can't tell the difference between. Which oh, bums okay. me out pretty good. Like, yeah. I, I wish that they it would be more colorblind friendly if they had chosen colors with higher contrast than blue and purple. Oh, uh, okay. I didn't yeah. think about that. Uh, the other thing, the uh, the real uh, crystal sage, his uh, his crystal ball gloves. Yeah. 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 I, I eventually. Uh-huh. I okay. mean, I never quite picked up on that. And I couldn't see the difference between the colors. I just kind of, you know, killed them all until I found the right one. <laughs> hit, the, hit the one closest. Yeah, it's yeah. whack a mage. Um, yep. <laughs> and you know, it's it's not entirely pointless to kill uh, the duplicates because, as far as I could tell, it didn't speed up the the next kind of like transport. Um, yeah. And taking one of them out, that's like one fewer guy who can cast at you. So this is like a nice little uh, kind of like escalation because you know dealing with one guy's spells, you can see his tele, you can see him telegraphing his moves and you know winding up for these casts. But when you got them coming from every different angle, sometimes having cover behind these uh, these crystals, um, they can really just kind of wreck you. 
um, out of nowhere if you're not careful. Yeah. Yeah, if you can get caught between three of them in one go, yeah, you're dead pretty fast. Yeah, as long as I didn't get I didn't get juggled, I tended to be fine with this guy. Like, I don't think this guy is a particularly hard boss. Um, the times that I've died to him once or twice in my, I think I fought him four times. Um, and each time it was just real bad luck. Like, I, I happened to get hit by something. At the same time, two other dupes were casting two other things that just kind of chain slammed me. Mm-hmm. Um there. I think I think the times I die are usually when I'm just trying to play it too fast as opposed to like being a little bit careful <laughs> just trying to run out and then I burn through my my stamina and then that's when I get caught between three of those guys blasting me yeah yeah um, he doesn't have tons of hit points too which is kind of nice like he can go by in the it was the luck build I had uh, it was uh, three and maybe a quarter combos. Like, I was doing really good damage, uh, and it was just, it was, you know, really, really easy to wear him down, um, getting all of those hits in. So, and part of it is because the the sword uh, that I had to kill Precious Henri for um, <laughs> is really great. So, yeah. it is, uh, it does a lot of damage. So, um, but yeah, it is, uh, it is a cool boss that is very much like much of Dark Souls 3 is a remix kind of thing. Yeah. Um, like, it remixes parts of old bosses. It feels like. Yeah. And also, like, it's a good change of pace for this. We've, uh, you know, kind of gone from, you know, the, 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 the armored guy to the beast guy to the gigantic, you know, kind of gimmick boss with, uh, with mm-hmm. a tree. And this is kind of, you know, keeping on your toes. Um, or like a caster boss. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't really put that together, but up until... Um, and then the next boss is a different kind of thing as well. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really... That's a good uh, observation is that the first, you know, potentially five bosses you fight in this are all very different and kind of present... Souls boss archetypes, yeah, archetypes, and, and even if you go uh, go, go to Farron, um, yeah, and, I would say uh, the first six are easily all yeah. pretty different. Yeah, yeah, I mean Farron has kind of a gimmick to it. It's still kind of a duel, mm-hmm. so I don't feel like it's that different from like as far as an archetype mm-hmm. from like uh, Udex. Yeah, yeah, you know? like I mean it has a gimmick to it, is more to it, but it's a one-on-one fight with somebody with a move set, you know. But up until that sixth part, it doesn't do any kind of repeating of those those types, which is really cool. Because uh, the next boss, the boss for the Cathedral of the Deep, is a totally different thing as well. Yeah. Um, so so good on you, Dark Souls 3. It's good to have that kind of variety, up, <laughs> you know, front-loaded. Um, yeah. yeah, but, I mean, eventually you just kind of kill him. In the second phase, when he teleports around, you find the right one, you beat it down. Um, and eventually he will he will fall. And uh, he, he kind of looks, like, looks like a bird, right? Like his head kind of looks like a bird skull. It looks like he has a plague mask. Oh, to- that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, did you did you pick up on that, Cole? What did you think of this guy's face? No, I never really got a good look at his face. He was usually uh, kind of like bowed down. I'm looking at the uh, the image. Oh, that's totally a plague mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, being on, lo- on loan from the Bloodborne collection. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he's got kind of like a little bit of a, a plague mask going on, and and you can't really see what's going on and under any of that too. Um, I love that again. Just speaking of like you know scarf people, <laughs> he's just kind of this like uh, daffinous like. Collection of, of cloths and incense. So so much like Johnny Depp, he is a, he is a dervish. Like yeah. if you if you just unravel all the scarves, he's he's gone. Yep, yeah. he's an he's an animated hat tree come to life. <laughs> yep, super great. Nice. Um, after, you know, after you kill him, you just kind of have one uh, one direction um, where we can uh, you know go to the cathedral, which is where we're we're going next. Um, and you can transpose his soul uh, either into um, crystal hail. Uh, which is one of these these spells, um, or the Crystal Sage's Rapier, 
which is a, a dex int weapon. Yeah. Are either of those any good? I I, I have I don't know. Generally, <laughs> um, split damage like the the spell is probably decent for the time you're at uh, now. Generally speaking, split damage is not great. Yeah. In, uh, in Dark Souls, so like having a magic or fire infused weapon or anything like that, like loses efficiency pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I haven't uh, played around with the uh, the rapier enough to know of the move set. Um, I, I, uh, I can vote for that. Like I like the move set of the rapier a lot. Yeah. Um, but the uh, the actual whether your damage output is going to be reasonable, I do not know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What an adventure <laughs> through the road of sacrifices. <laughs> yeah that's the yeah that is what we do we've learned what, um, we've learned what crabs eat we learned uh yep. the true nature of uh steven tyler <laughs> we, we i don't know if we we learned that i think i feel like that, that's something i knew from birth i elementally knew that i was i was conceived a sweet emotion so yeah. the um yeah so yeah uh man uh thank you very much Stuart. oh no problem it's thanks for having us. me yeah absolutely thanks Where, for uh, thanks for convincing me to spend a little more time in a part of Dark Souls 3 that I spent some time mostly just running through. This feels very much like a section, like kind of like my home state of Indiana, like <laughs> a place that you drive through. Mm. Like mm. not not particular. I mean, it's 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 fine, but it's not like the big. It's you're not really getting to a big boss or something. Yeah. It's uh, it's connective tissue, right? It's yeah. uh, like the uh, the uh, oh gosh, road of sacrifices. It's it's flyover country. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I I would say that too is kind of a, a general general kind of take on this area. Like the um the bird area got me pretty excited for this weird uh, country of bird people. Uh, <laughs> I was possibly going into, but getting down to the swamp, like there are some kind of cool encounters down there. Um, layout wise, I'm not like as a level design thing. I'm not super into it. Um, it's just kind of a big flat open space, you know. I, I've never been too into when when Dark Souls does that. Like I was yeah. kind of bummed out when the when the DLC for Dark Souls One kind of took 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 you back to uh, Dark Root a little bit. Yeah, with that and like I think that like you know in, Bloodborne kind of handled it the best by making it a big uh, effectively a big open area, but it had these kind of like winding paths through it with uh with the Forbidden Woods, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The uh. I mean, I guess this was a like this is clearly a time where they wanted to introduce some NPCs, um, and I think this kind of an area fits that pretty well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you get you get a good idea of who these people are um, and vaguely why they're here. Like everyone, all the NPCs make sense. And, and I think this is an important part in the game. Like one of the, I like the moments where the path splits a little bit and you have to make some choices as to which direction you're going to go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good, good, but not great. <laughs> yeah. As, as far as areas. And then same thing with the boss. Like I like this boss, but I don't, I don't love this boss. Yeah. Like it's very good. I don't think it's served very well by kind of being split between uh, this is a cathedral of the deep area and this is a Farron area. I think that just uh, that kind of lack of focus um, on which story it's going to try to tell um, is uh, leads to a little bit of that dissatisfaction on my side. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Um, I would, I would agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Um, Where, uh, where can people find you online, Stuart? Okay, well, you can find me online at uh, the Flophouse Podcast. 
uh, which mm-hmm. is on the Maximum Fun Network of Podcasts. And you can find that, I think, anywhere you would normally find a podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also hear me on my occasionally bi-weekly Def Leppard podcast, Till Death Do Us Party, spelled <laughs> as uh, difficult to remember or determine as possible. I think it's two L's two P's and uh, maybe an exclamation point. Um, and you can also find me at Twitter at flop house cat, all one word. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I, re- I really appreciate you coming by. Like I, I've, I've oh, tried, no worries. I've tried to uh, try to have my fanboy uh, kind of stuff, but I'm such a huge uh, kind of just a fan and admirer of the flop house. So Aww, this is, uh, this has been great. And I know a lot of our listeners are huge fans of, uh, of, of this show as well. They were all very pumped to hear that, uh, that I was going to be a guest. Oh, that's great to hear. We had uh, uh, somebody who met you at uh, NYC Podfest who kind of uh, did a little <laughs> bit of like winking, like, hey, you should have Stuart on. And I, I was like, oh, maybe. And like, oh, no, he totally met you out there and <laughs> <laughs> knew this was coming up. Yeah. So we're back from the uh, from the little break there. We decided to let Stuart go so we wouldn't have to uh, listen to our admin stuff. But uh, we're super grateful that he took the time to uh, to come on here. Yeah, super like wonderful, nice guy, <laughs> and uh, and it was it was an absolute pleasure. Yeah. So a gentleman and a scholar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So next time, as we mentioned, we're heading to the Cathedral of the Deep. Yeah. And uh, we're gonna be joined by Dave Klein mm. of the Dave Con- Dave Control Live YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, noted lorester and uh, series regular. Yeah. Podcast regular. It's going to be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a it's a lore rich area and is also uh, a lot of people's favorite area, I think, mm-hmm. in the game from uh, feedback that I've heard. Yeah. Um, and justifiably so. I don't know if it's my favorite, but it is really, really wonderful. Yeah, it definitely sticks out. Uh, I alluded to it as a meat grinder in the main episode there. Um, yes. main body of the episode and that is totally true um like if you if you are playing along you're like man i just can't do this the, it wouldn't hurt you to go to uh to um farin and uh, the catacombs to kind of uh sharpen your blade a little bit yeah if farin is hard when you first run into it as well but if you've done one gigantic swamp area mm-hmm. and souls you kind of uh kind of know what you're to, and you just you know follow the fire yep um you'll be okay uh so if you if you have anything to say about cathedral of the deep uh, hit us up at duckfeed.tv forward slash contact Yes. And uh, yeah, and general rules for, for uh, you know, confine it to things about that area. Um, kind of specifically astute uh, observations, funny stories, family stuff, mm-hmm. things like that get priority. Uh, please make every effort to make your responses readable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, use like grammar, like read it out loud. Yep. That's literally the only thing you have to do. After you've written, written it, read it out loud and see how it sounds and then adjust accordingly because yeah. we're going to be reading them out loud and it's really appreciated. Yes. Not being a dick not being a pedant just uh it makes you sound better and it makes us sound better yeah Um, so yeah uh concise novel readable yes um if you want to support this network you can go to patreon.com slash duckfeed tv um every little bit helps you get you can get episodes early you can get access to our slack channel which is growing all the time um and is a really good place to discuss dark souls and all video games and any kind of aspects of culture uh there and uh, you can also get a bunch of different other rewards mm-hmm. if you uh, if you decide to support us. Yeah. So uh, you get something, and we get to keep doing the show. 
Mm-hmm. Um, iTunes ratings and reviews are always helpful. Uh, those are still coming in at a pretty steady uh, pace, but that helps uh, kind of like raise our visibility. Uh, now that we're kind of a good way into the season, um, you kind of, you, if you're a new listener, you kind of know, oh, like I, whether or not you like this show, um, share us with friends. If you are kind of like working through this game with anybody else, um, you know, uh, pass us along. Um, as kind of a resource um, if you if you feel like we are worth sharing that's kind of really the only way we have to you know grow our audience and we really appreciate everybody who's done that so far absolutely yeah um, yeah and I'll, I'll throw this out there because I just uh, every periodically mention it go to uh, powerworlds.com mm-hmm. if you want to read about and buy a book I wrote that is inspired by Dark Souls yes um, also yeah. uh, to throw that on there um, uh, Monster in My Podcast is a new show on the network that I think everybody would love it's uh, it's designed to be sippable uh, every uh, th- every other day during the week three times a week we discuss a monster uh, from the uh, Monsters Manual of uh, second edition Dungeons and Dragons um, and yeah it's uh, roughly five minutes per episode just uh, your daily monster fix yeah, it is. It is easy to recommend. Yeah. It goes down so smooth, and it's—I uh, legitimately very funny. Yeah, which I don't listen to our shows uh, <laughs> that we do, but the way this one's edited and the fact that's so short, I do listen to this one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I—it's hard for me to imagine the user out there who like, there's probably people out there who listen to this show and they're just like, these guys are not funny at all. I just want to hear them describe what happens in the level. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, if you are literally only here for the souls lore, uh, then you maybe won't like it. If you at all like us as human beings, yeah, um, I think that you will dig it. Yeah, so uh, we've gotten some questions about that. Like, hey, I don't play Dungeons and Dragons. Would I? Would I like this? It's comedy first, and Dungeons and Dragons uh, kind of stuff second. Just yeah, it li- is so little D and D. Yeah, just uh, uh, it's mostly right. us re- relaying these uh, these these strange, funny, bizarre, sometimes misguided ideas from this awesome book from you know thirty yeah. years ago. Yeah, it is not a. a I'm surprised we haven't gotten the opposite of somebody who is just like, man, I thought this was going to be a D&D podcast. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I, people who are in that camp are more likely to be mad. Yeah. It's, it's about as much about D&D as abject suffering is about bad games. Yeah. Um, so, which is to say not at all, which is also <laughs> to say another show you should listen to. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So thank you guys very much. Um, I think that's probably about it. I think so. All right. Um, until next time, what should they do, Cole? Um, they should. <laughs> <laughs> and we all pray that we will have far more soon. All right. Okay. Cool. You ready? Yes. Move into this. All right. <clears throat> My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Bonfireside Chat. It is Farron's favorite. <laughs> and this week we are reading your responses to, uh, uh, oh gosh, you, you, you confused me by saying Farron there.